So, Heather, does that look okay? Hey, look how much taller he is than me. I gotta stand on my. <laughs> you bend and I stand. There we I'll go. Just, I'll just do a little stride. So, so Tom, tell me, when it comes to Nestle versus Makara, tell me what it was like when it comes to that experience. You know, where did you see God's fingerprints in that, in that time? Well, first thing we have to understand what the case was all about to understand, you know, how God was moving. Um, California had passed this law that mandated that pro-life pregnancy centers advertise for abortion with a sign that they're posting in their, their clinic. And um, failure to comply with that mandate would have resulted in fines and levies and eventually closing down the pregnancy centers. So law was at stake because the pregnancy centers in California were not going to obey this law. Uh, they are pro-life to the hilt. They're not going to advertise for abortion. They're not going to refer for abortion. That goes totally against their foundation and who they are. Okay. The, the other thing at risk here was this in a broader perspective. So um, how, imagine this. Imagine if the government mandated that Alcoholics Anonymous post a sign in their offices telling their clients where the local liquor store is. Or if the government mandated um, that the, the American Cancer Society promote cigarettes. Absurd, right? You know, destroying the very foundation and meaning of those organizations. So this is huge. It's a free speech issue, basically, because... Uh, our First Amendment to the Constitution gives us the right to freely speak, but it, that right to freely speak also protects us from being mandated to speak a message with which we fundamentally disagree. So that was the background of it. Um, and all the, the liberal organizations were supporting California. Uh, they, they were uh, producing or they were promoting the lie that pregnancy centers are deceptive and fraudulent and they need to be regulated like this. So it was in that backdrop now that we have our lawsuit. And we file our lawsuit against California, which happened to be in the Ninth Circuit, Ninth Federal Circuit on the West Coast, which is the most liberal and hostile circuit in the whole judicial, federal judicial system. So we file our lawsuit in San Diego District Court, and we lose, okay? Not unexpected. We then appeal it to the Court of Appeals, and we lose again. We lose twice in the Court of Appeals, okay? Now our only hope is the United States Supreme Court. Now there's no automatic right of appeal here. The United States Supreme Court gets 8,000 appeals a year and they only accept a hundred of them. So mathematically, we're not going to make it if you just say mathematically what our, our chances are. So like 1%, okay? Um, so God's first miracle was that we were accepted by the court. Bingo. You know, 1% chance of getting there, we got there. That's his first miracle. His second miracle, I, I, I don't really have time to get into a lot of the details other than to say... Uh, the way it, it became orchestrated, um, because there were other parties involved with different appeals and all, this thing could have been a real zoo at the high court, but the court only accepted NIFLA's appeal. So 
that that made us focus on this the the issues that we we were uh, arguing. So uh, that was a real. I was expecting a lot of groups to be involved. No, it came in down on NIFLA, totally on NIFLA. Okay. So from that standpoint, <laughs> I said I feel like you know we're going to win this thing because God's opened up too many doors that, practically speaking, they shouldn't have been opened. And we're we're going to win this thing. So I felt really confident going into the the day of argument. We're going to win win the case. So. Um, so why was NIFLA, why was it singled down to just NIFLA? Well, I think the basic reason is because NIFLA as an organization has a broad, a broad uh, we, our membership is both medical clinics and non-medical clinics. And the law impacted both the medical and the non-medical. The other cases involved only suits on behalf of medical. Nobody was representing the non-medical. So... If those cases were accepted and won, we'd still have the issue of could the state do this to the non-medical centers? Well, because NIFLA has both in our organization, they decided NIFLA's, we can take care of this issue on both ends by bring, bringing NIFLA in. So I think that was probably the thinking, although you never know. So when it comes to precedents created by NIFLA versus McCarran, how would you describe the benefit or how, how is this precedent from this case you know now three years has passed what how do you view the precedence of this Niffle versus McCara case today well it's been called by uh, you know several think tanks in Washington as the most significant free speech uh, decision from the court in our lifetime and uh, when, on the day of day the decision came down I was sitting in the court and um they announced it was a five to four decision. Well, we knew we had won, but of the uh, uh, five votes in favor, the court announced that four of those justices had signed and filed what's called a concurring opinion. Now, that concerned me a little because the way that works is you have a majority of five, and that will be the decision as far as the impact of the ruling. But what is the reasoning for the ruling? If a, a justice that votes with the majority but files a concurring opinion, that means that justice disagrees with the reasoning of the majority. But they still come out with the same result. Now, I was very concerned because I didn't know what that concurring opinion said. And until I saw what it said, I wasn't going to do any somersaults and celebration. I just knew we won, and but with a, a concurring opinion, it could have modified everything that you'd want to have happen. So we came down out of the court, and I was greeted by Kristen Wagner from ADF, who is one of the attorneys on our team, and she had the opinion, and she's smiling, just ear-to-ear smile, and the concurring opinion was not only, you know, supportive uh, of the, the result, but it went further than what the majority opinion actually had said, and so she says, you know, this opinion is going to protect... Um, Christian counselors and pastors and priests who are counseling people in the homosexual lifestyle, counseling them and trying them to to work through and transfer into a heterosexual lifestyle. Well, why is that important? Because California at that time was planning or had on the uh, ready to pass a bill that would have criminalized that type of counseling from clergy. 
they call it conversion therapy. They would have criminalized a pastor who's counseling with a, a gay person and the issue is his sexuality and they're trying to get, get it into a, a normal heterosexual sexuality. And, and so it's going to, it's going to protect those people. And sure enough, the California bill that was ready to pass, uh, the chief sponsor of that bill is a notorious homosexual activist. He pulled the bill. And when asked why he pulled the bill, his comment was, well, because of Niffle versus Becerra, we're going to get sued and we're going to lose again. So it had a broader impact, and now we've, we've got an opinion that just came down from the United States Supreme Court protecting uh, Catholic social services in Philadelphia uh, from being mandated by the city of Philadelphia that they have to uh, provide foster care, uh, provide same-sex couples the right to be foster parents, which is the Catholic church is totally opposed to that so it protects religious freedom big time so it, it's a great case it's a great decision so it seems like a, a, a priestly clinic director could pull encouragement from this you know when they're when they're facing overwhelming you know a large group going after them that they could be encouraged by the way god hand, you know by the way god worked through this scenario and provided safety and blessing to all clinics across the country, both medical and non-medical. Um, how would you speak to, like, you know, encourage them when they're facing their own Goliath and they're in this situation? Yeah, that's a good good analogy. David and Goliath, I mean, pregnancy centered versus uh, the state of California. That's a David and Goliath situation for sure. And remember, we lost all the way up to the Supreme Court. And uh, we had to stay focused and, and uh, keep our heads on right and keep faith in that God's going to get us through. Um, and so, I mean, when we lost at the Court of Appeals, there was, we had two losses in the Court of Appeals before we went up to the Supreme Court. I had um, directors from California calling me pretty panic-stricken. And they were saying they have their medical directors who are talking about resigning because they don't think they can stay, uh, you know, doing this in light of the, the, the law that's been upheld by the, the Ninth Circuit. And uh, I just had to remain, I, I, I believed at that time, with all my heart, that we were going to win the case. Um, that I believed that my own professional assessment of the makeup of the court, I believe we had at least five votes there, but also I just believe God wasn't going to let us down. So I would encourage people, when you, when you go through that dark period, you stay focused and you stay keep your eyes on the Lord and you keep moving ahead and things turn out okay. It sounds like you were probably, um, probably felt somewhat alone during that time. And having Jesus or the Lord there was key, but it felt like you probably, you probably felt overwhelmed when it came to the odds of the number of people against. Well, you know, we had, we had a lot of friends who were supporting us, and so we had a lot of support. That's good. And a lot of people said, we're praying for you. And so, you know, I didn't really feel alone. I felt like we're, I'm in this with a lot of people. And we represent a lot of people. And we represent, uh, you know, we're all together in this. And so if the ship goes down, we're all going down together, okay? So, but I didn't believe the ship was going to oh, go down. Good. So, yeah. How did, how did the people supporting and praying for you, how did they communicate that to you? And how did that encourage you? <clears throat> well, we got constant emails. We got... Uh, Letters, uh, phone calls. We had uh, 
Uh, we had a lot of statewide phone calls of uh, statewide directors of the centers, and we just to fill them in on what's going on and what's coming up, and then we had a prayer time on those calls. Uh, so we all felt really together on it. Um, so, you know, we, we were obviously concerned. We can't lose this case. But there was some, there was some confidence in our team. We, we really felt in the end we're going to be okay. So when you look back at this time in your life, what do you, how do you see it today? How is it, you know, emotionally, spiritually, um, legally, how do you, you know, what's your current character? How, how do you currently look at it? When it comes to, you know, reflecting back, what's that look like to you? Well, we're in pretty uh, perilous times today. And, um, you know, the news is difficult to listen to sometimes. And you ask yourself a lot of questions. Where is the nation headed? Um, and, you know, what's the future for not only the nation, but our families and our children and our grandchildren and personally us um, have a lot of questions. But going through this experience, um, you know, God is always there, and He walk. God never, never promises to uh, save you from tribulation or trials. He does promise to walk with you through those tribulations and trials, and that's really the the lesson that we have. So I, I remember there was a quote you said. Um, I think after the case was won. Where you said the enemy was as mad as like a like they took a beehive and smashed it <laughs> on the ground. There were bee like hornets. Oh yeah, really mad. And so the enemy was just looking for a way to cause damage, not even really trying to do what would be quote logical, but just trying to strike out and cause damage. They they, they were so furious because they were so arrogant and thought they were going to win, and it was literally like a hornet's nest being dropped from your, the top of your house and smashing on the uh, sidewalk and the bees are just flying all around. They're so angry. They were a bunch of angry hornets. That's absolutely true. But none of us got stung. So, you know, so so that that was it. It was, it was, a, it was a great victory and uh, prayer got us through and staying focused and trusting in God, that gets us through. And that's a message for everybody here, no matter what you're going through. That's the message. It seems like your NIFLA is, you know, part of, like, the legal team member. If we had, if we had a baseball team, you know, you're, you're, you're like, the, or if we had a, you know, a body, you know, you'd be the legal arm. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm imagining, like, you know, NIFLA is so integral to, like, the pro-life team as, like, a nationwide team. Well, uh, thank you very much. There's a lot of very good legal organizations, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. We worked with them. They they argued the case for us. We helped prepare it for them. Uh, we uh, we provide a lot of legal help to our network of 1,600 pregnancy centers uh, on just day-to-day operations. And, and I always tell them, you know, there's one way guarantee. I can guarantee there's one way to win a lawsuit. Never get sued. You never get sued by doing the right thing, you know. And you just, uh, and you, you work hard, do the right thing, and... And you'll be okay. So, so we, we work hard on behalf of our centers. But there's, there's a lot of really good groups out there. ADF, Lions Defending Freedom, Liberty Council, um, Life Legal uh, out in California, the, the Pacific Justice Foundation, and uh, Thomas More Society, uh, the, uh, uh, Alan Parker, who's uh, standing next to me right now, as, as I see him on you know, the side of my head. His Justice Foundation is an awesome group that we've signed on 
uh, on an amicus brief with the uh, with them to challenge the uh, ruling in the Dobbs or, or to to represent the state of Mississippi as an amici, uh, urging the court to uphold or reinstate the Mississippi law that they're going to be looking at in the very near future. So a lot of good people so, head here. So when it comes to printing clinics that have a legal team member, mm-hmm. how would you, or medical teams obviously as well, how would you encourage them to come to the next NIFA leadership summit to, to provide, you know, to, or, or, you know, what, what resources does NIFLA offer towards the medical groups and the legal groups when it comes to ongoing training, um, you know, educational credits? Like, what does that look like? Well, yeah, though, go to our website, NIFLA.org, of course, but we, ha- we have 1,600 members nationwide, of which 1,300 are medical clinics, and we launched the medical clinic initiative about 25 years ago uh, because we wanted centers to convert to medical uh, primarily so they could be using ultrasound confirmation of pregnancy with the, the abortion-minded women they see. But to do that, you got to do it right legally. And so we developed the program, we developed the training, we uh, trained centers on how to be medical, what the legal uh, requirements are. Uh, we train medical personnel such as RNs and what to, how to perform what's called limited obstetric ultrasound and all the legalities in that. So uh, uh, that's a big part of what we do. Awesome. I think that's, that's, a, really, that's a, a really good, um, that'll be a really good piece to share with some executive directors. Great. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you.